Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to episode number 37 of From the Braves Booth. This is our first episode of season three, if you will, and great to have you all with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you, and we're coming to you from Bush Stadium in St. Louis, and uh, the Braves in the midst of their first road trip of the season. Took two out of three in Washington, won the first ball game of the series versus St. Louis last night, and uh, we're bringing you this podcast a few hours before game number two of this series, so looking forward to that, but... Uh, first and foremost, fellas, it's good to be have uh, good to have the podcast back and good to be back with you guys, of course, doing what we do. But this being our first episode of the podcast, we have a, a lot of things to cover in, in a short amount of time. So uh, good to see you guys and excited to have a new season. Thanks, Ben. You know, I, I know we were trying to get one in the books in spring training and scheduling down there is very difficult, as I think most people know, but uh, just didn't happen. So this is our first of the year and we're looking forward to bringing several your way during the course of the season. And you're right, Ben, we've got a lot lot to talk about. We sure do. Before we dive into all that, I want to send out our email address, and that's bravesbooth at gmail.com. So anytime you're listening to any of these episodes, whether it's uh, fresh or whether it's a year old, if you have a question, you have a comment, you can fire away. We get your emails, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and maybe your question or comment will be read on our next episode. So um, as far as things go right now, I, I know this much. It's good. It's just good to be back in the swing of things, good to be back in the season. We love this game. We love what we do. I love the routine of it all and, and watching a, a winning baseball product, which we've seen a lot of over the last five-plus seasons. And um, I think if anyone has listened to our broadcast, Joe, throughout spring training and early in the season, we've talked a lot about the rules changes, as, as so many people have. And I think we're all pretty used to what we've seen at this point. I don't know that there's anything that, that seems foreign anymore. No, I don't think so. I think because they decided to start it right at the beginning of spring training, that helped everybody, not just the players and the managers and the umpires, but it helped those of us that watch it every day, too, to kind of get into a groove of how this uh, – I'll call it a cadence and speed of the game is going to fit everything. Uh, I know one thing you and I have, like a lot of other uh, baseball broadcasters, we've had to accelerate our comments. Yes. You know, we don't have a whole lot of time to uh, expound on uh, what just happened on a play before because the game's going to restart right away. I think that's been uh, a change that I've kind of eased into because we, we, we have a lot of downtime. Uh, in between pitches and things like that, or at least we have in years past, and you have plenty of time to tell a story about a guy or explain something that happened at some point or a conversation you had with a player or a manager or something like that. Now I think you go into it knowing I still want to get that same information out, but I, I really have to be careful with how I do this. 
you certainly don't want to be starting anything like that with two outs in an inning. You didn't want to anyway. No. Uh, but now you, you know that there's if there's a nugget or something you want to get out there, you got to pick your spots and be pretty swift with it. Well, and you, if it's going to be timely with respect to applying it to something that just happened, uh, you've got to let the play work itself out first and then be very expeditious right. in, in how you uh, enhance that that comment. So uh, we're all learning. We're getting better at it. And like you, I'm enjoying getting into the flow of the season. Uh, last night, that first night game, uh, I, I made a comment during the broadcast how bright the lights were. I wasn't used to seeing them, you yeah. know, but they're very good lights here in St. Louis on top of that. But uh, it just it kind of got my attention. Yeah, me too. And like you said, it's just good to be back in the flow. And in the flow of the good baseball team, we have very high expectations this season. I think rightfully so with what we've seen and everything we expected coming in. I think coming into uh, spring training, Joe, we're very excited about Sean Murphy. I know we're excited about what this pitching staff and what this bullpen could look like. And, of course, the lineup as well. And during spring training, they were very fun to watch at a good camp. Everybody had a pretty solid camp. And that's been the case through the first four games of the year. Lots of offense for this club. Terrific lineup. Well, they score seven runs, seven runs, one run, and then last night eight runs. So they're off to a great start. Um, you mentioned Sean Murphy. Everybody wants to do well when they go to a new team. Uh, they want to show the fans. They want to show your teammates, you know, why you were acquired and how you can help the team win. He's off to a slow start. He's 0 for however many at-bats he has. He's hit into a couple of double plays. So I know that that's eating at, at him. He's in the lineup tonight, and hopefully he'll go three for three and, and kind of put all that behind him. Yeah, I'd imagine that's coming soon. One of the guys who was in that place a year ago and is certainly out of that now, Matt Olson, because he's looked outstanding. Yeah, see, there's a comfort level there, too, for uh, Sean Murphy because they were teammates in Oakland. And, and I'm sure Matt can say, hey, I know, I know where you are. I was there last year, uh, but look what Matt did. He may not have hit for as much average as he wanted, but he had a great year and uh, is off to a good start to do it again, and no reason that uh, Sean Murphy won't do the same. Now, having said that, we did get a sample of Sean Murphy behind the plate gunning Ooh. out a space stealer the other day with a rocket arm, and I know our fans are going to love watching that. There aren't many catchers where when they get the opportunity to throw, you stop everything and watch them throw. Mm -hmm. He's on that short list. Yeah, you, you're encouraging somebody to run. You want to watch. Right, exactly. <laughs> Please go. Yeah. We want to watch our guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, some really good starts uh, out of Matt Olson. We saw Austin Riley hit one about two miles last night. That was awesome. And then another guy at the top of the order, Ronald Acuna. You know, last season we're, we're excited to have Ronald back, and he was quote-unquote healthy, but I don't think he was ever 100%. I think he'd probably say as much. And now what we've seen, we've seen a much more explosive Ronald Acuna. And I think that's a good sign. I'm going to ask Snit about that when I chat with him here for the uh, Brian Snitker uh, report here in a little while. But from, um, from his ability to run, his power, things like that, he just looks like he's back on the level that he once was on. I think that goes to the mental makeup, I mean, to the mental confidence that a player has, an athlete has in recovering from an injury, Ben. Uh, last year he came back in May. Was that about right? Sounds right, Let, yeah. Let's say May. Uh, and I, I think some of the way we watched him play had to do with him still nursing the knee. He didn't yes. want to re-injure it. He wasn't able to be explosive. He wasn't able to really fire off that leg like he wanted to in the batter's box. Now he does. Now he's got the confidence. He knows he's okay. His knee's not going to break. Uh, he's uh, fixed, mm -hmm. and he can get after it. And I think that we're seeing signs of the way he used to play because of that. 
all those guys have looked great, and I haven't even mentioned Michael Harris yet, and, and he's just so much fun to watch. He can do just about everything out there on the field. And um, I, I, when you start thinking about him or Travis Tarno or some of these other guys, the way that Orlando Arcia swung it during spring training in the beginning of the season, Ozzie Albies being back to healthy, I think right now, and this may change over the course of the season, but the biggest strength of the ball club to me is the depth of the order. And to use something that you used a few nights ago, if you look at the last four in this order and compare it to the top four for some other orders around Major League Baseball, those teams would be thinking that their they're back, back four is better than our top four. Yeah, they'd much rather trade you and uh, take, our, take the Braves' lower half of the order for sure. Uh, Kevin Pillar gets a start tonight. I like what Brian Snitker does in this regard. Uh, with some of his backup players. He doesn't let them sit for a long time. Bobby Cox didn't either. So Brian would probably tell you maybe that's something he learned from Bobby. Uh, you can't just let those guys get over there, sit over there after spring training and get stagnant. Mm-hmm. So Pilar's going to get a start in left field tonight. He'll bat ninth. Arcia will hit eighth. So that's a good thing to try to keep everybody as sharp as you can because let's face it, most everybody else in the lineup, you're not going to pinch hit for. Right, right. Have you been pleased with what you've seen defensively? I think our biggest question mark was shortstop, and it was a bit of a surprise when Orlando Arcia was named the shortstop, and he's been brilliant. He's been really good, especially last night. He had three really solid plays early in the ballgame last night against the Cardinals. Uh, But he was always, as Brian Snitker told me, uh, after the decision was made that Arcia would be the guy and the other two guys would go back to AAA, he said, it was only when Orlando was playing shortstop in spring training that I was comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was only when he was out there that I knew plays would be made, routine plays would be made. And I think that goes a long way to saying uh, for a manager to say, I've got a veteran out there that I can trust. And I know what he can do. And I also know what he can't do. I know yeah. what he, he's not capable of doing. And uh, Orlando gives not just Brian Snitker, but everybody on the team, that confidence. I know this much. Nobody thinks about routine plays till you ain't making them. Yeah. And, and he's been making them and, and then some. He's had some highlight reel plays. And you want to be good defensively all around, left to right, but especially up the middle and especially at shortstop because you just can't have Max and Charlie and Spencer going out there and having to deal with four and five out innings routinely. No, you can't. You don't, you don't want that to happen. You want guys, if you're going to have your pitchers go at least six innings, they're going to have to have some defensive help. And uh, that's where it starts is up the middle. One place where every team wants to be deep is on the mound. And maybe you get into June, July, sometimes even August before you have to exercise that depth on the mound. We're learning here in the first week you need that depth. As the Braves had an injury, injury flare-up with Max Freed, Kyle Wright starting a little bit behind schedule as he had a short sh- a shoulder early in camp. So um, right out of the gate, you're having to rely on some of those young guys. And, and it's not just limited to the Atlanta Braves. It's happening across baseball, industry-wide. Uh, starting pitchers are beginning to fall by the wayside that you were counting on. They, those teams were counting on heavily, and Max Fried fits uh, that role. What the Braves are happy about and what fans are happy about is that it's not a real serious debilitating injury. It could have been if they'd left him out there to pitch. Yeah. You know, he, he could have uh, had to cover first base again on the next pitch and really blown it out and then miss him for six to eight weeks. They were smart. He was smart uh, to go ahead and, and take a hike, go in, see how serious it is, and now give it a couple of weeks to heal, and he'll be fine. And in the meantime, we've seen one rookie make his debut already in Jared Schuster. And I thought that Jared really 
showed some guts that day. He had a, a really rough first inning, and I think for a lot of pitchers, it would have been easy to say, I, I can't do this right now and not last beyond the first inning. He was able to go into the fifth. We'll see Dylan Dodd go tonight, and I know we're excited for that. Uh, I'm sure the same nerves that Jared felt will be felt by Dylan Dodd this evening. Now you just kind of roll up your sleeves and see what he can deal with. Well, for Jared Schuster, he earned a lot of uh, brownie points from his teammates and from the manager and staff for the way he hung in there. Uh, you're right. He could have folded his tent after the first inning, near the end of the first inning, and been out of the game because of the disappointment of the way things started. The first six guys reached base. Mm-hmm. You know, and there could have been an oh-no moment where you wonder if this kid's going to be okay. And he was. To be able to pitch into the fifth inning, almost f- completed five innings, told you a lot about his makeup. Now then, do we want to see that from Dylan Dodd? No. We don't want to see him have to have those same demons Mm -hmm. that he's got to wrestle with. We want him to get off to a good start. He's going to have a lot of family and friends here tonight in what amounts to the closest ballpark to where he grew up. So we want him to have a good outing. Maybe he can learn and talk to Schuster a little bit about, uh, uh, hey, it's just another ball game. Go out and have fun. I hope so, too. And and for those guys, they look so good at spring training. I am – I'm big fans of of how their spring training went because when we started spring camp, we knew that there was an opening for the back spot in the rotation. We knew that that five spot was open. I don't think any of us were talking about Dylan Dodd or Jared Schuster. We thought, hey, maybe there's there's an outsider that could be a dark horse in this and, and be in the mix with an Ian Anderson or Bryce Elder, whomever you want to mention. But I don't think that we thought those two guys would be the only two real names for the competition about two weeks into spring training we got to i don't know first week of march second week of march and it we could tell immediately it's going to be one of these two guys Mm -hmm. so every start for them was really really big and both were very consistent Uh, let me give you an analogy and i'll use basketball let's say you're on a high school team and you're on the jv but you're practicing with the high school team but you're, you're going to be on the jv team it is pretty easy to go out there in a scrimmage and shoot make some shots yeah no trouble you're loose, you're, you're not worried about being on the team or the ramifications of missing a shot, you can fill it up. Now all of a sudden you're putting a lineup on the varsity team and you don't have that luxury of being uh, just loosey-goosey. You want to be, but sometimes you're not. Same thing with these guys, with these kids. Spring training, they had nothing to lose. They're, nobody was expecting them to be on the big league club, let alone in the rotation. Mm-hmm. They pitched lights out. They earned their spot here. And now it's the lights are very bright, mm-hmm. and it's not that luxury of uh, just being okay. Yeah, suddenly there are expectations that they did yeah. not have to worry about. Yeah, all of a sudden spotlight's on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not saying that because you have a, a rough outing start number one, you aren't ready for it. Uh, you you do see some guys come out and the first time they're under the bright lights, they perform. They just do. Some guys are like that. But for the bulk of guys, you have to ease into that. You have to, to learn how to win. You have to learn how to handle that pressure and uh, handle that stress. And eventually they will. And uh, that process will start for Dylan tonight. Well, here's another uh, piece of weight on, on the shoulders of a young guy like this. Uh, Tom Glavin has talked a lot about uh, the first year he was called up and uh, pitching for the club, and I think he, he lost 18 games or something. Right. It was it was awful from a record standpoint. But they kept running him out there because the team wasn't going anywhere. You know, there weren't any expectations that the team might win the division. Well, that's not the case here. Right. Not, not today. The, uh, the pressure of winning 
is there right away because this team is expected to perhaps go to the World Series and win it. So that that's an added weight on these young guys' shoulders that they're playing pitching in the middle of the diamond with all of these all-stars around them, and they expect you to pitch well. Yeah, yeah that, that is an interesting comparison. So it's first time on the big bull at the big rodeo yeah, rather, than, right. rather than at the ranch. And it's got horns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good luck, kid. Oh, man. Well, I, I'm excited to see him out there tonight, and it's a, a tough lineup he'll go through. But I love what the offense did last night and, and what they've done to start the season. Lots of run support, and they've been getting after it. And to hit those early home runs, Austin Riley setting a tone last night with a 473-foot home run and then three, uh, three more home runs uh, or two more home runs and inning later is what we saw out of the ball club. So looking for more of that tonight, and then we get to go home tomorrow. I don't know that I remember how to get to where I live once we touch down <laughs> in Atlanta tomorrow night. I may have to give both you and Jay Chad rides home. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we can figure that out all out together, but uh, I know you guys are anxious to do that. And what's it been? Eight, seven, it will be eight weeks? I think it'll be seven for Jay Chad, yeah, yeah. something like that. I yeah. just had six weeks on Monday. Okay. Uh, yesterday, so – um, long time, to long say the time. least. We've got a lot of laundry to do. I know yeah, that boy. Um, well, before we get into listeners' questions and, and comments, anything else you want to jump it, in with? Let's talk about the bullpen for a little bit. All right. Because they've been good, really good. Uh, there have been a couple of hiccups here and there, a um, couple of home runs allowed, both of them solos that I recall, one by Yates, one by Anderson. But by and large, these guys are solid, and there aren't any kids down there. Mm -hmm. These are all grizzled veterans down there that know what they're doing and know how to pitch and are used to coming into tight spots. And uh, you can look around and find a pretty good bullpen, but I don't know if you can find one any better than the one the Braves have right now. Yeah, and starting the season without one of the biggest pieces. And we'll get better, yeah, uh -huh. when Iglesias comes back. Yeah, I'm excited for that, and I think we all know what Russell is, is capable of. And he did a great job last year. He became a setup man, and in his career he's always been a closer. But he – there, there was no rebuttal from him. This is what you need me to do. I'll go do it. And the Braves won 101 games. Now it's his turn to be the closer. And in his absence, A.J.'s done a great job. Uh, the rest of those guys, because they are veterans, I, I don't think there's a scenario that, that really scares them. I don't think there's a situation that they shy away from. You need me to pitch the ninth? Cool. You need me to pitch the sixth? Fine. No problem. Uh, all those guys, along with what we've seen out of Dylan Lee, uh, over the last year plus, and some of those others, it's come together to be a bullpen that you really trust a lot, no matter yeah. who comes out. Yeah, how good was Dylan Lee last year? Oh, he's terrific. And uh, did did just as well in spring training. I don't know that he even allowed a run in spring training. Uh, he's a guy that we kind of overlook sometimes because of uh, where he usually is slotted in the ball games. You know, sometimes the fifth or sixth inning to get out of a jam and then work an extra inning. But a uh, very valuable piece of the pen, to be sure. Yes, he is. So Braves and the Cardinals tonight in the second game of this series. And uh, if you tune into our podcast right before first pitch, of course, you'll be. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Up to date. And uh, if you listen after tonight's ball game, well, hopefully we're right about everything that we said that the Braves won another ball game. We're going to jump into our questions now. And again, you can send us an email, bravesbooth at gmail.com. 
And I know that uh, Jay Chad's going to jump in with us. Jay Chad, how you doing up there? Good, good. I uh, got a long list of really good questions we can dive into, and I'll go ahead and start things off. And um, I, let's start off with this one. This is one that we got last night. We were talking about last night. Good to hear you three again. My question is, do you think Andrew Jones's number retirement is long overdue by the Braves? That's from Pete. I think we all feel that way. Yeah, I I don't want to make it sound like any kind of a criticism for it to take as long as it has because things happen in their own due time. Uh, the fact that it is happening, I'm thrilled for Andrew. And um, you know what? When John Sherholtz went into the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, right before that, he was inducted into the Braves Hall of Fame. And it was almost like, okay, maybe somebody took notice. And then John was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Maybe the same thing with Andrew's already in the Braves Hall of Fame, getting his number retired, people will understand how just what a great player he was. Mm -hmm. And when the vote process comes up again, maybe he'll get the required number. Yeah, I hope so, because I think for us it's a automatic yes for the kind of guy that he is and, and the player that he was throughout his career. Uh, I've got one from Sarah. I have to get Jared Schuster, give him some credit. As bad as his first inning was in his debut, he gave the Braves some length and almost got out of the fifth inning. Was it just nerves? That's from Sarah. And we kind of covered that, Sarah. I think it probably must have been because from the second inning on, he was uh, he was the guy we saw in spring training. I just have to attribute it to that. Mm -hmm. He was overthrowing. Mm -hmm. He was up. You know, he walked some guys, so that was a pretty obvious sign right there. All right, here's one for uh, all three of us to answer. Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, glad to have you fellas back. I hope the road is treating you well. A couple questions below. Hopefully one grabs your attention. Number one, how was the return to a regular spring training? Did it feel as long as it seemed for the fans? And number two, Ben and Jay Chad, do you ever show Joe any of the tweets from the Braves on TBS Twitter account? Would love to know if they brought back fond memories for Joe. Best from Robert Lovett. And we, we'll start with that second question. We've we've sent you a lot of those clips yeah. on that Twitter yeah. account. I love it, and I hope they keep coming. I think they're just tremendous. Uh, it's, it's really a flashback for me sitting in the booth and remembering things as they come through those tweets, uh, working with Skip. And the one that cracked me up, and I didn't remember it, was the one – where he said something about my sweater. We're wearing matching sweaters. They were kind of peach-colored. And he said, <laughs> like your sweater. And I said, yeah, well, I'm the peach and you're the pit. And without blinking, he goes, back with the lineups, a fist fight, and a play-by-play -play story right after this. <laughs> that just cracked me up. And I don't remember it, but it just really made me laugh. And it makes me laugh every time I watch it again. So you've seen things on that account that you don't even remember yeah. happening. No, I don't. And... uh uh, it, it's just great. I hope they keep coming. Yeah, do too. That's a great account. Uh, we, we actually reached out to the guy who runs the account, and he said he's coming to a game. I think he lives in Pennsylvania or somewhere like that. Oh. And he said he's coming to Atlanta for a game this year. And I said, y you need to let us know so we can come and say hello and, and meet you. So Absolutely. That would be great. Hopefully that happens. You got one, JC? Yeah, here's one from Kevin. He wanted to know, how weird is it to see Chip Carey in St. Louis? <laughs> It's not weird to see him, Kevin, because we're used to seeing him. Uh, yeah, he would be here under normal circumstances were it not for the changeover. But uh, I'm just going to speak for me. Chip is in a really good place. Uh, he's from St. Louis. He grew up here. He went to high school here. His mom still lives here. This uh, is more home than Atlanta ever was for Chip Carey. So 
uh, given the history of his grandfather in St. Louis as well. This is just an ideal place for him, and I'm very, I'm very happy for him. Yeah, I'm too. I think, like you said, uh, I think the weird thing will be when we go back home and a few weeks pass and months pass and we, we hadn't seen him just because yeah. we're so used to him being around. I know, especially you, J.C., you guys hung out a ton. We did. I, th- I think the weird part, you know, we seen the first road trip, and now, you know, we won't see him again until September. But as I'll echo what Joe said, Chip is in a great spot here. I'm thrilled for him. I'm happy for him. And I know we'll all continue to stay in touch because he's a dear friend. Exactly. Exactly. Um, this, is a, this is from Jacob, and it's also something we talked about a minute ago. Has the increased pace of play affected how you call the game? And uh, I'll let you answer that one, Ben. A little bit, a little bit. And I think the biggest change, nothing has really changed, Jacob, when it comes to calling the action on the field. All that feels the same. You have to be ready for the next pitch because you know it's coming pretty quickly. But for what we do, we're not robots. We're not just calling the pitch and and, uh, getting away from the action on the field. We do that sometimes. We do that a lot. I mean, baseball is a conversational sport. So it's not just about the action on the field. The main object of, of a broadcast is to bring the action that takes place on the field to the listeners. But we're also here to entertain as well, whether that be a story uh, or a, a conversation that you had or something like that. You want to bring that to the air, and I think you really have to pay attention now more so than ever of when you can insert that. Used to, you could just start off on your own. Hey, this is a good time to start off with this story that uh, uh, that EY told me, something like that, or, uh-huh. or maybe the latest thing that, that Austin Riley has been working on. Now, if I have that nugget in my mind and I want to bring it to our listeners, I have to be attentive to – what the best spot to insert that in is. Because you can't just throw it out there whenever. You, you might get cut off by multiple pitches or the inning or whatever. So pick your spots. And I think outside of that, that's nothing else has really changed. I agree. Um, hi, guys. Uh, so happy to have the Braves back. No lockout or pandemic definitely made the offseason feel quicker. So being that it's April and the Braves are notoriously slow starters, what do they have to do differently this year to start over 500 and uh, end this month on a winning note? Seeing San Diego, Houston, St. Louis, and Philly doesn't make things any easier to do that. Thanks. That's from Blake. And, and sure, we've seen the team start off slowly the last couple of seasons. They overcame it, obviously, 101 wins last year and winning a World Series the year before. Doesn't mean you, you, you want to start off slow. I think you want to get out to a, a really solid start. And this team has done that through four ball games, and hopefully that continues. Well, naturally, yeah, you want to, and they are off to uh, what I would consider a good start, winning three out of four. Uh, they ran into a good pitcher in Mackenzie Gore on the last day in Washington. That's going to happen. He pitched well, but this team is better equipped to get off to a Midland start than a team that's in the lower part of the division. You know, a team like the Pirates, uh, Kansas City, the Reds, Miami, uh, Washington even. You get off to a slow start with those clubs, and it's uh, gloom and doom immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, are we are we equipped to dig out of this? Yeah. Are we going to be able to – was 0-1 the best record we're going to have all year? Um, the Braves and other good teams are better equipped to handle a slow start and battle back. Look at the Phillies, 0-4. Mm-hmm. They could be 0-5 tonight, and what would you tell me about that? There's never been a pennant winner start the next season 0-5. Ever. Ever. And look at their lineup. I know they lost Reese Hoskins, but 
with their staff, with their lineup to start 0-4, they're not going to be down in the doldrums long. Mm-hmm. They'll be back mm-hmm. because they have the, the players to do it. This is um, from Alex in Bristol, Tennessee. Where are you eating on a trip to St. Louis, and what are the best places to go and eat? Love the show. Thanks. You guys know better than I do. Well, I'm a hu- I can tell you all the breakfast spots because i I've got, I've got to get up and go find breakfast. And there's a place here called Colleen's that I really, really like. But Jay Chad and I found a place today that we both liked a lot. Kingside uh, Kingsport? Diner. Kingside, okay. That's out in Clayton Yeah, near where we stay. Uh, another place people like uh, from the Midwest, there's a pizza place called Emo's um, that's pretty good. I've been there with uh, Rob Smith and Eric Durbin a few times. Not bad. But, we, you know, we got in. When was it? It's a Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. We had dinner that night, um, but hasn't really been a trip that we've got to venture out too much with the exception of breakfast. Yeah, I'd say the, the 645 local time starts in St. Louis um, are such that by the time the game's over and you get ready to leave the ballpark, you're either ready to go back to the hotel, mm-hmm. you're certainly not ready to go eat a full, full meal somewhere. Right. So it's it's great for the fans for these early starts here, but uh, from a dining standpoint, not so much. Uh, here's one from Morgan. Welcome back, Joe, Ben, and Jay Chad. I'll keep it short. Please help me understand the shortstop situation from spring training. Um, I think, Morgan, that caught all of us a little off guard because so much attention had been paid to uh, Vaughn Grissom number one, and then as he got hot during the camp, uh, Braden Shoemake. Both those guys were almost daily alternating spots at shortstop, so we're really focused on them. Uh, Orlando Arce was playing a lot, but he's playing second base. Uh, Ozzie's arm wasn't quite in shape from his shoulder surgery, so they were DHing Ozzie, and that left second base open a lot for Arcea. So when the decision was made that we came to learn, I think it all just took us by surprise because Arcia hadn't played that much shortstop. Not that any of us doubted that he had the ability to do it. I think if someone had told us going in that it would be between Shoemake, Arcia, and Grissom, I think we would have said, okay, that'll be a good competition. But all the focus was on the, the two young guys. I don't know that, or, or that uh, Orlando's name was ever mentioned. I think it was before camp. Uh-huh. I think it was uh, his name was in there with – probably between Grissom and Arcia, probably between those two guys. And Shoemake just played his way into that into that group. And Arcia's kind of faded, I'll mm-hmm, say, at, mm-hmm. the, at least at that time. Yeah. It seemed like the storyline the entire offseason, as you said, was Von Grissom and him being the guy to replace Dansby once Dansby signed with the Cubs. I'm hoping now, after the first four games, the story turns to how well Orlando Arcia has been playing. Yeah. He's been playing really well. And, you know, the the thing is, the day that he was announced at spring training that he'd be the starting shortstop, if I'm not mistaken, we had just seen Shoemake start at short five of the last six days. Mm -hmm. And it it felt like he was – I thought they were about to announce that he was going to be the opening day starter short. And then not only is it not him, and it's not Vaughn, and and here's Arcia, and we just – I completely forgot about him being in the mix. Like, oh, that's interesting. Well, there was even even talk about how – this might be a platoon situation. Shoemaker's right. left-handed, Grissom's right-handed. It wasn't uh-uh. Shoemaker and, and Arcia. So uh, that it all really unfolded that one day, much to the surprise of all of us. But keep in mind, 
how good a player Orlando Arcia is. He was the starting shortstop for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, on opening day, like three straight seasons Mm -hmm. before the Braves were able to acquire him. So uh, it's not like he just came out of nowhere. He's a solid player. Yes, he is. This is from Nick, and Nick says, what's the baseball atmosphere like in St. Louis? I think we all enjoy the atmosphere here. I think we all enjoy the stadium here and working here. Um, as far as the trip altogether, I like where we stay. We don't stay downtown. We stay out in Clayton, and it's a, a nice little quiet area with some decent food options. But I think when it comes to the ballpark itself and, and the work um, the work atmosphere here, it's, it's one of my favorites. I, I don't know that it's number one or two, but I've got it in my top ten for sure. It's certainly a great atmosphere for fans. Whether you're a Cardinals fan or not, if you're passing through here and, and can get in the ballpark, get a ticket, you ought to come because it is uh, a great setting. You got the arch in the background. You got beautiful buildings in the old courthouse uh, perched out there just beyond left field. So it's a great, great atmosphere, good ballpark. Um, I have one here. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Last season, this is from Scott Williams in Kernersville, North Carolina. Last season, an overwhelming amount of our losses were from last games of a series. And if the last game of the series was in the day, it was as close to an automatic loss as there could be. Started this year out the same way. Why are we so bad in these games? And, Scott, I don't have an answer for you. I do know that the modern-day player much prefers to play night games. Now then, we just came out of spring training where they played 99% of them were day games. They ought to be prepared to play in the day. Um it's just one of those fluky things. Why from year to year do the Braves play better on the road than they do at home and switch it around the next year? There's no real explanation. Uh, but I'll, from our standpoint on Sunday against Washington, uh, Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I can't answer for last year, but I know that what I saw in the final game in Washington, Mackenzie Gore was really, really good. And we gave up four runs in the uh-huh. first. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but to, to – the point of the uh, of the listener, when I think back on even the postseason, those are those are day games and lost those and were eliminated. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. It, it was a thing. Hopefully, it's not a thing this year. You yeah. know, I heard Austin say last night after the game, uh, Kelly Curl on the TV side was talking to him, and he mentioned um, getting to play at night, and it was the first time that we'd played at night all season long, and how nice that it was. And I know that. I think for all of us, once we get into a daily routine and it's the same every night uh, and you're playing at night and you have your day, you know, when it's interrupted by a day game, it can throw you off. Um, You know, in spring training, you know, I know I prefer night games. When we're doing that and it's day in, day out, it's such a departure from what we do during the regular season. I don't know why we don't have more night games at spring training, but – uh, to echo what Joe said, I know players definitely prefer playing at night. I think I like broadcasting at night. Yeah, yeah, it's I. I what it, where, whatever time the game starts, I'll be there. 
<laughs> that's a good way to put it. What was the best part of this road trip away from the stadium? That's from Edith. Uh, it, it's been a good road trip. I think a lot of that has to do with the wins. I'll say that's been the best part is, is winning three of the first four. Um, I think my favorite part of this road trip outside of that is coming here because we're <laughs> there, there are actually people in the stadium sitting above us rather than everybody being above us like they were in D.C. Absolutely. That's a key part. But I just I would have bet money you were going to say cherry blossoms. <laughs> it's your favorite part. They were lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did get to see the cherry blossoms. I've never seen those before. And uh, now I understand why they're such a big deal at Washington because they are everywhere. I made the comment to Ben last week when we were in D.C. I said, how old are we now? We're talking about cherry blossoms and we're in bed at 830. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Real partiers over here. Here's a good one. This is from Josh. Does J. Chad do your laundry on the road? What if you're hungry and don't want room service? Do you send him to get food? I don't know him, but he strikes me as a good errand boy. That's from Josh. We call him the water boy. <laughs> Fetch me a burger, errand boy. Oh, that is far from the truth. Um, Jonathan does a lot for both Ben and, and me, and I. we appreciate it very much. But most of the time, it's because uh, he's doing it out of the kindness of his heart, not because we are, are demanding it by any means. And I, I have a feeling if we either one demanded, it, demanded anything like that, We'd get that one-finger salute right away. Yeah, we're number one. Uh-huh. We'd get that. No, no laundry. I, I don't do any laundry on the road. It, I have a full day when I get home where I do it all, and uh, that's pretty much all I have time for I made on the those mi- days. I made the mistake uh, five or six seasons ago uh, sending uh, a dress shirt and a sport coat, maybe a few down to the laundry service in New York at a hotel. and What that run you? Uh, checked out and got that bill and uh, was sweating for about a week. <laughs> But uh, for the record, if Ben or Joe needed something on the road, whether it was food or laundry, I would find a way to make it happen. That's nice of you. That is, and we we know that. Let's see. I've got one here from Jared in Reno, Nevada, who wants to know that uh, I hit nine homers in my career, all with the Mariners. Which one was most memorable and why did any come off any future Hall of Famers? And did you have any walk-offs? No, I did not have any walk-offs. I did hit a homer off Fergie Jenkins. He's in the Hall of Fame. That's a good one. Jack Morris, who's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, And those were the two most memorable. I hit a home run off a guy whose name I can't remember with the Orioles. I have to look it up. And it was in Seattle. And he was um, their closer. And Earl Weaver used to call him Tupac because he had it made him so nervous that he had smoked two packs of cigarettes in the ninth inning. Uh, this guy went two years without giving up a home run, and I got one off of him and ended that streak. And the next day, Jim Palmer came over to me and asked me to sign a baseball like it was the home run ball Yeah. and, and sign it over to this guy. And I was, like, real reluctant, like, oh, I'll get one in the ribs as soon as I see him again. No, no way. And – Palmer was laughing. He said, no, I promise you, this is just a joke, but, no, I promise you that won't happen. Okay. What was the team? Baltimore? Baltimore. Don Stanhouse? Yeah, Don Stanhouse. That's the guy. That was uh, April the 30th, 1979. Huh. Yep. Uh, it, was, it, it wasn't quite as far as Austin Riley's last night, but, <laughs> but wow. it counted just the same. <laughs> I was still three and a half years from being born. 
Hey, man, Homer's, Homer's a Homer, no matter when it took place. Could have gone all night without saying that, Jay Chad. <laughs> Would you go get me a Coke, please? Yeah, Aaron Boy. <laughs> yeah, look, at your, your last home run came off of Jack Morris. That was in uh, August of 82. I ran into Jack Morris after that in a spot in Seattle after a game. And we were having a good time and said hello. And he goes, man, I can't get you out. And I thought, he must think I'm somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know who I am. Because <laughs> he didn't have any trouble getting me out, maybe except for that one one pit. That's funny. All right, here's a good one from Eric. What's your Starbucks order? J. Chad's Starbucks order has, has really changed a lot since spring training, hasn't it? It has. Uh, I can thank Peter Moylan for this. Uh, they're very good. They're very expensive, but currently it's a grande iced double dirty chai latte. The double dirty just means two shots of espresso. But the way Moylan says it, double dirty. The way he it says sounds it, sounds dirty. Yes, very dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but Jay Chad's been hooked on them things. They they're very very good. I had one this morning. Did you really? I did. Do the uh, do the girls behind the counter have to write it down, or are they? in tune with what you're telling them they're very in tune and i was worried about that we we're at spring training and i texted peter we were going to pick him up and i said hey stop him by starbucks what do you want and he texted me i had no idea what he was talking about i thought it was a joke and so i ordered it like he told me and sure enough uh, they knew what i was talking about and then you know he said you got to try this and i did and I've been drinking them ever since. The key is to look right into the barista's eyes and wink when you say double dirty. Uh-huh, they, right. they know what's going on S- at that point. See if they look up at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't drink coffee, so I can't answer that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a boring answer, too. It's just black. Mine is uh, I go to Starbucks with, with Kathy, and she gets something with her lattes and whatever, and I get uh, an old-fashioned donut and a 2% milk. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Get my day started right. Yeah, that's a great way to start it. Uh, oh, here's a really good one. This is from Laura. Are Jeff Francoeur and Kelly Kroll married? Yes. <laughs> oh, Kelly. Yes. Oh. No, of course not. They're not married. Jeff and Katie have been married for a long time, have four kids, very happy. And uh, I'm not sure what purpose of that question was, but we love both of them. Yeah, people want to know. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Hank. If the Braves stay relatively healthy, it's hard for me not to envision a deep October run. Would you three agree after having a chance to watch this team all spring long? And then again, that's from Hank. Yeah, definitely agree. And the thing you can never predict are injuries and who's going to be available and for how long. I think if this team is healthy throughout the season, then, yeah, absolutely. They can go as deep as they want to go. Uh, I look back on last season, and this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Two years ago, if you take the team and where they were compared to the ball club in the regular season last year, last year's team was better. But what did the 2021 team have that the 2022 team didn't have? They had health in the rotation at the end of the season. Last year we didn't. We had Max sick. He was down 15 pounds. And Spencer Strider was injured with the oblique. He came back and tried to gut his way through a postseason start. And you just you, you weren't you weren't pitching the way that you were. No. Uh, but if this team is healthy, to answer Hank's question, if, if they are uh, – I think they're as good as anybody. I agree. I think, you know, spring training is so different because early on you see guys get an at-bat, maybe two, and then they start playing a little bit more as spring progresses. And you really don't see what you're going to have till the last few games, maybe the last week. 
So I think, to me, the first, what, four games of the season now, it's become really evident to me, should they stay healthy, yeah, they're going to have a chance. Mm-hmm. Lineup is just uh, – everybody's going to have a slump. Everybody's going to have a, a dip in their season where things aren't clicking at the plate. But I don't see it being a real prolonged dip for a bunch of guys at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you've got three or four guys swinging it well, you're going to be fine. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun summer, at least. That's what it looks like it could be. Looking forward to tuning in to From the Braves booth all season long, hopefully starting this week. I imagine the regular season becomes a grind at times for you all. What were some of your favorite things that you did this off season for fun and rest, and what were the highlights of your time in Florida during spring training? That's from Davis and Ella J. Highlight for me, uh, my wife and I went on a trip to Jamaica. Uh, that was towards the end of January. Uh, getting to see family uh, in Nashville uh, a couple times was good. And I think the highlight of spring training, it's always nice to have a break because it is a grind. You know, when we do 200-plus baseball games a season, once you include spring training in the postseason. Uh, but, yeah, I think once the calendar at least for me when it turns to january every year i start looking forward to getting back to work and then you go down the north port and you kind of get back into your routine and it's a lot of fun uh so i think yeah that's that's the highlights just getting to go back to work every year yeah, that's a good way to put it and the highlight for me for spring training was getting towards the end and, and knowing okay this is starting to tape sh- uh, take shape you know what the team is going to be and, and who these players are that's always a fun time um, you don't have many off days down at spring training, but the ones that we had, we made them count. I had a couple of beach days and love the beaches down there in southwest Florida. Uh, my birthday was particularly fun as uh, we all got together with Big Al and, and uh, Rob Smith and uh, watch what Rob can do to an ice cream cake. That was a blast. That was incredible. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a, a great time. So spring training's fun. It, it's just very unique. It's a unique time. It's a unique place. And I love the, the calm before the storm that takes place there because once we dive into the season, it's the fury of the season is upon us. Uh, the spring training is when you kind of ease into all that. So that's a blast. And as far as me for the off season, um, the girlfriend and I went to Paris, and that was really, really, really cool. Stop it. Don't say the girlfriend. <laughs> Ashley and I went to Paris. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And Ashley will thank me later. <laughs> the girlfriend. Good grief. I just kick you in the knees. Actually, I, just I funded him. the trip. I just, well, you should have. <laughs> just kicked him in the shins. Uh, mine was a trip to see the grandson. The grandson. <laughs> I went to see Pete out and Meg out in California and son-in-law Mike. That was great. Uh, trip or two to Charleston to see Gabe and Lauren's uh, new house that they have up there. Otherwise, Kathy and I were kind of homebodies for the most part around St. Simons and Anytime you're down there, that's relaxing and a vacation in itself. My folks passed through there this off season and said they absolutely loved it. Good. I, I've never been over to St. Simon's. It's you got to come. Uh-huh. Uh, Kathy and I'll have you guys down. All right, that'll work. We'll have Jay Chad and Margaret Ann and you and the girlfriend. Well, I'll have him, uh, our errand boy, fetch me and the girlfriend some things when we're there. <laughs> okay. yeah, make sure I drive everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, All right, we have any more? Any other questions you guys want to throw out there before we wrap it up? Actually, with the music starting here in the stadium and BP taking place, I think that's our cue to, to dive out maybe. Yeah, maybe. But uh, the good news is is we're back with the uh, From the Braves Booth podcast, and that's always fun. And, of course, we'll be bringing you these episodes as often as we can. 
And, um, Joe, I know you're doing, what, about 100 games this season? 97 to be exact. Okay. Mostly so, mostly home games, a couple of road trips, including this one. So whenever the team is at home, we'll be doing a lot of podcasts, I'm yeah. sure. And maybe even, J.C., we could mix in one or two with some of these former players joining us this season. Uh, we, we had a question. I, I don't – not looking at uh, my list right now of questions. We had one from uh, one of the listeners, and I really appreciated him talking about how uh, it's a chance – for our fans to hear some of the former Braves players, Nick Green, uh, Peter Moylan, and then the newcomer to the group, Kelly Johnson. You know, that that's terrific. And I know all of those guys are going to be uh, welcomed, well-received, and they do a good job, and I'm happy for them to get the opportunity. Tell you what, let me read that word for word. That okay. way we can finish on this one. This is from Ann, and Ann says, I really enjoyed the spring training broadcast and hearing from some of the former players. While no one can ever replace Joe, uh, let me emphasize that, no one can ever replace <laughs> Joe. We will get to hear from a few uh, new guys during the regular season and, and who will they be, and, and that's exactly right. We're going to have Darren O'Day on the next trip. Yeah. That'll be fun. Darren's doing the Kansas City-San Diego trip with us. Um, Kelly Johnson, who did the final week or so of spring training, is doing a few trips. And then you've heard Nick Green on with us before, and you've heard Peter Moylan on with us before. And all four of those former players will have stints during the broadcast uh, schedule with us this season. All those guys, it was it was fun getting a chance to work with those guys at spring training because they're all different. Uh, and, you know, we've certainly known most of these guys for a while, but I will echo what Ann says, and I'll just end on this. No one can replace Joe. We're going to miss Joe when he's not on the road with us this year. Uh, it's it's not the same when you're not here. Those guys will be great, but when you're not here, you're missed, and it is not the same. That's very nice of you. And, again, I'm still waiting on that Coke. <laughs> That'll wrap up our broadcast as we send the errand boy out to get us some drinks. Hope that you'll tune in again next time. Feel free to shoot us an email anytime, bravesbooth at gmail.com, and tune in tonight as we bring you game number two in this series of three between the Braves and the Cardinals. Till next time, for Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben. You've been inside the Braves booth.